Hey, it's me again. Uh, we have some people in the service that no, don't normally get to be here all the time with us, and I just want to acknowledge them. I mean, different ones are here from time to time. But uh, the, the people that work with the children, with the kids, are actually getting to sit in the service this morning, and your kids are actually just running wild back there, so <laughs> don't be alarmed at all. But if you work with the, if, with the kids in any way, would you mind to stand up? Let's see where you are. If you're a, one of the kids' workers. Thanks, guys. You're, you're the ones that... You, you the real MVP right there. You guys are... Um, you're the ones that make it happen. It's an amazing thing. Um, how about this? If you serve, you kids, you'll have to, kids workers have to stand up again. If you serve in any capacity, setting up, um, hey, let's do this. Let's do it that. Let's just do that one. Because we've, we've been doing this set up and tear down thing now for way dead gum too long. That's right. Uh, four years and four or five months, we've been setting up and tearing down to have service all this time. If you have ever, ever been on the setup team or you're currently on the setup team and you've ever been involved with that, which would, I guess, include the band, maybe set up, I mean, stand up, and let's, I want to just, we need to give you, when you guys get to heaven, yeah, go ahead. That's a hard job, man. When you get to heaven, if you're not happy with your accommodations, you have them come see me. I'll put in a good word for you. That's a hard thing. When we first started, I remember, we used to have to, had to put everything in a trailer. And we had to take it out during the week. And I remember on Saturday, loading the trailer, taking it up there about 6.30, unloading the trailer to have service, loading it back up, taking it home, unloading the trailer late at night. Whew, it's just, it was a bad thing. But if you serve in any capacity at all, um, media team, parking lot, any capacity at all, you serve somewhere at Stonebrook Hospitality, would you just stand up? And because uh, you guys are what makes it, makes it happen. Cool. All right. So what we're going to do this morning, it's not a sermon at all. It's, uh, what I want to do is sort of reminds me of what we used to do in our family. And maybe uh, you've done this in your family before. My kids always hated when they heard that I was going to do this. I would call a family meeting. Did you ever do that? And we'd gather in the living room, and I would walk back and forth, and I would, you know, talk about uh, either something that was going to change or something that was good that happened or something that was bad that was happening that had to change. And we'd gather there in the living room, and the kids would try to not make eye contact, and we would have uh, a conversation there about what was happening in our family. And we believe that church is definitely a family. And so that's sort of what this is today. This is a, a living room talk. Uh, about Stonebrook and some what I think are very exciting things ahead, some changes that will be happening, and some things that we all need to not only be aware of but need to get involved in to make sure it happens in the best way possible. Um, one more question let me ask. If you've been coming to Stonebrook for less than one year, you don't have to stand up, if you've been coming to Stonebrook for less than one year, would you raise your hand? Wow. Well, we're really glad that you're coming to Stonebrook. But uh, so what, I, I'm sort of going to give a little bit of the background of what caused Stonebrook to happen and um, <clears throat> then talk about where we're going from there. But I, I, I want to catch this all up to, um, you know, why we even do this. Um, I, was, I was raised in church, and I've always been involved one way or another 
in some type of quote-unquote ministry in the church, being involved in doing things, and went to Bible school to become a, a minister and worked full-time. Um, well, I've worked in several churches in my life and worked in full-time at one for a while, and church has always been, I've always had a love-hate relationship with church because I love Jesus, <clears throat> and uh, I love church. It's my favorite subject to talk about, but church was always a very frustrating thing to me. It seemed to me like, and I, you know, I'd always, you go to Bible school and they tell you, here's how you're supposed to do things, and you look around at all the churches and the way that churches are doing things, and so you try to fit in there, and I was just always frustrated. It was sort of a square peg and a round hole thing, because it seemed to me like that the purpose, the reason why we were supposed to be doing this was so that people who did not know Jesus could get to know Jesus. And we talked about that all the time in church. But the churches that I went to, I did not want to invite my friends to that church. I would, you know, you'd talk to somebody that was maybe having a hard time at, uh, with work or a friend or somebody that you knew, and you'd talk to him about Jesus, but I almost didn't want to tell them. Have you ever been to a church like that? You know, I didn't want to tell them where I went to church because I, I didn't want them to come there because it was, it was sort of weird um, and it was very, very insider-focused and there, it just wasn't a place where people could come in. If you came into the churches that I've been involved in, you had to outside, before you came in, you had to completely change to look like, dress like, talk like, act like, sing like everybody else that was already there, or you didn't fit in. And so eventually you just didn't come anymore. And so for years, year after year after year after year, I, we didn't expect people that were far from God to come to church. And I, I've always had this thing on the inside of me, that why can't there be a church that's fun, that's exciting, it's a place where anybody, and I mean anybody, can come to that church. And... Um, you know, a place that, because here's what people, and I've talked about this a little bit. In the churches I grew up, people would always, the, the pastor would talk about that we need to go out, and this is a very big thing. People love to talk about this. We need to take this message to the streets. We need to get out beyond these four walls, churches and these four walls. We need to take this out there. Well, one reason I think, well, first of all, I, the churches that I went to, I hope that the stuff that we did in there never got outside those four walls. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It wasn't that what we had inside the four walls was so amazing that if we just took it outside where everybody could see it, they were going like, oh, why wasn't I going? I, I just couldn't see inside the four walls. So that's what you're doing? Great. I'll be there all the time now. It doesn't work in the United States anyway. It just doesn't work. You can't, and, and, and you know, in fact, I was just reading this week about this conference of Getting together and taking, you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. People are always talking about that. And we need to take this message outside the four walls and take it to the streets. Well, do you know that most people that don't know Jesus, all they're waiting on is for someone to approach them on the street with their family while they're trying to do something else, or perhaps sitting at supper at night or resting from working all day for someone to interrupt their life and talk to them about Jesus. That's all they're waiting on. It's for somebody to walk up to them, do a cold call, and say, hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? You sinner? Oh, you have a tattoo? Oh, you're gay? Oh, you're whatever? You look like that? Oh, I'm sorry, you're going to hell. We want to talk about how you cannot go to hell? That doesn't work. Sorry. <laughs> I always wondered, what if there could be a place 
where the people sort of acted like Jesus, and it became a tool because most Christians aren't people that want to go out, because I was forced to do this, and maybe this is why I sort of have a chip on my shoulder. My youth group, we went out witnessing. We would witness to a light pole. We didn't care. We were bold. We turned more people off to Jesus than you can imagine. But every now and then, somebody would say the sinner's prayer, so we thought we were the evangelist, the most best evangelist in the world, because we went out witnessing, and this person accepted Jesus. Now, they didn't ever come to church, and the other 46 people we talked to are still not saved today, I'm pretty sure, because of their experience with us. But what if there could be a place, because most Christians aren't like that. Most of you aren't thinking. Most of you that would consider yourself Jesus followers aren't thinking, now, what's missing in my life? I need to go out every Tuesday night and witness on the street. That's what I need to do. Or, you know, I, I just have this burning desire in my heart to be a witness on the job to my, to my uh, coworkers. And there's constantly preaching in churches about that. And it doesn't work. It's not happening. But what if there could be a place that, was, that you knew no matter who my friend is, no matter what they look like, no matter what they've been through, no matter what problem they're facing, no matter what color their hair is, no matter what words come out of their mouth. Because I had some friends that I would come to church because they had some sentence, sentence enhancers that they used that they just may slip out when they're meeting the pastor and you don't want him to say, well, this is a great effing church you got here because at the churches that I went to, the churches I went to, they wouldn't sit next to you and they'd make sure that you knew that you weren't welcome there until you got your effing life straightened out. <laughs> but what if there was a place where, because it's, it's so funny with Stonebrook, people, I'll meet people and they're, you know, maybe they have tattoos all over and they have uh, earrings and colored hair and they're, you know, using those sentence enhancers every other word and they'll say, you know, if I go there, everybody will stare at me. And I just laugh and I'll say, Nobody will even notice you're there. <laughs> Nobody will care. What if there could be a place like that that could be used as a tool for Christians who are a little bit leery about sharing their faith anyway because Christians have a reputation of being judgmental, of being hypocritical, of being pushy, of looking down at people. So it's hard to, to break that barrier. But what if there's a place where you could just say, hey, why don't you just come to my church? It's a little different. And you could actually bring those people here. What if that could happen? So I started talking about the, and I started looking for different churches all over the country. And I drove all over the place. I flew to different churches. I started studying churches. And, um, and I'll just tell the story just as quickly as I can. And like I said, we may be just a little bit longer this morning. Um, I, I was five years ago. In fact, this time of year, five years ago, I was having lunch. It used to be Miller's Grill. It's Denny's now. With my... Uh, were you there, Caleb? Kristen, my daughter, and my wife was there. We probably didn't tell Caleb where we were eating so he could get away from him. Caleb's my son. So we, I was sitting there, and I was ranting. I was going on about the kind of church that I wanted, and I said, there's just not a church like this. I can't find one anywhere. So a couple weeks later, a friend of mine who I went to Bible school with actually uh, was working in a church up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I came across their website and found out some things about them, and I went, wow, maybe this is it. So I drove up to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Ended up the church wasn't exactly what it is I was looking for, but it was a good experience, and I, I went with another couple. Some of you that have been here a long, long time remember uh, Casey and Jessica. I went with Casey and Jessica up there to Kalamazoo, and on the way back, 
we stopped, well, in fact, in Michael Jackson's hometown, Gary, Indiana. Um, my, my truck broke down, and we had to, actually, I had to stay there for three or four more days, but so we, were, we broke down. We went to this restaurant after we got the tow truck to take the truck there, and I was telling them, because I'd already been talking to them about what kind of church, and I said, it's just impossible. There's no way I can do it, and I gave them all the reasons. I listed them out. Money, people, um, my inabilities, the Christians in the community. I listed all these various reasons, gave them a bunch of reasons why you cannot start a church like I'm talking about. It's just impossible to do. So after, after we had, I'd, I'd just been to this church that is what I thought that, that God wanted me to do. I had just explained to Casey and Jessica, it can't be done. And I'm walking back to the hotel and my, my cell phone rings. And I may get a little cry on this. Sometimes I cry when I think about this. And it was a girl that had been in my youth group 20 years before. Her name's Kira. And I said, well, hey, Kira, how'd you get my number? She said, I called your wife. She gave me your cell phone number. And I hadn't heard from her for 20 years. She moved away to another state. And she said to me, well, I wanted to call you because I, I had this experience in church, and this is where it gets a little weird, so don't. And that's one thing. I, I wanted, to, I wanted to, to try to start a church that wasn't weird, where you could just be a normal person. Well, you didn't have to say, praise the Lord, glory to God, when you came to church on Sunday. Because no, you don't ever meet somebody on Thursday afternoon and they say, praise the Lord, glory to God. That's a weird thing. Why can't you just say, hey, sup? Just like that. I don't know, that's, kids probably don't say that anymore. But uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, wanted to have a place that wasn't weird. So, but anyway, she said, I had this experience this morning. I was at church and I saw you and your wife, you and Jeannie's face, well, this is already weird. <laughs> and I don't put much stock in this because I've had people my entire life that I don't know try to tell me God told them something. And pff, it just it didn't turn out. It was nothing. But this is Kira. I know Kira. I haven't, been I haven't been talking to anybody except my family about this. She says, I saw your face, and God says, I want you to call him today. Remember, I'd just been to a church that was like the one I wanted to do. I had just said it can't be done. I want you to call him today. I said, okay. He said, tell him whatever it is. <laughs> this makes me cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've tried to tell this enough where I don't get emotional anymore. <clears throat> she said, whatever it is that's holding you back from starting that church, you need to let that go. And I said, I'm trying to play dumb because I, you know, you wonder, did my wife call Kira? <laughs> I said, what makes you think I'd want to start a church? And that was true. <laughs> what makes you think I'd want to start a church? He said, I don't know. I don't know that you do. All I know is God said, you need to tell him, whatever is holding you back from starting that church, you need to let that go. And then she further went to say, because I was, I was thinking, maybe, because this is what I've always wanted to do. I've wanted to find somebody else that was doing church the right way and help them. I, never, I don't want to be in charge of it. I don't want to be responsible. I, I just want to help them. I'm the world's best helper. I'm like number two guy. And so she said, because I was thinking about, there was another person I was thinking about. I could join them and it would be sort of close. It wouldn't be perfect. And just, you know, doing something that's already existing. And she said, and he said to me, I want you to build it. It's not joining something else. It's starting something new. 
Well, that got my attention, and so I thought, well, maybe God is in this. So what we started to do is we gathered a, a few people together that um, weren't involved in another church, and we started about in September bringing them to our house and sitting around the living room, sometimes sitting around the backyard, and just talking about ways that church could be different, ways that we could actually reach the market that is not already a church person. In fact, I just read a survey last night that only 40% of the people in the United States are being reached with the gospel through the church. 60% of people are not being reached. We live in a post-Christian culture now. We don't live in a place where people just assume they're Christians because they're in the United States. And so only 60% of people aren't being reached. And that sort of goes with what I always say here. About 60% of our county would be 33 to 35,000 people. Well, churches, historically, are trying to reach people that already go to church. A new, traditionally, a new church starts in town. Well, the fish in this aquarium go over to this new aquarium. Well, we don't, I want fish that are out there in the ocean wandering around that don't think that there even is an aquarium that would be any fun to hang out in. We wanted people that have never been reached. We want people that have given up on church. We wanted to reach out to those people. So how could we do that? So we started to, to do things like that. And so we finally decided, and you know, some, day, some days there'd be about 20, maybe there'd be 25 of us. I remember one night I was so discouraged. Chris Potts, your mother was there. There were like two people came. I had this big plan to inspire people in the backyard. We, I had the, uh, built a bonfire. We were gonna eat hot dogs and win the world to Jesus. And two people came. And they acted like they didn't wanna be there at all. So that's what we were doing. So we started to talk about it, and finally they said, you know, let's, let's continue to talk about this, but let's have a service. Let's do something on Sunday morning because we're not going to church anywhere right now. And I kept saying, no, let's don't do that. Let's just talk some more. No, let's have a service on Sunday morning. So, okay, they talked me into it. January 8th, 2012, we just got together on Sunday morning in my living room of my house. 52 people showed up. That's the very first service of Stonebrook. We had 52 people in our living room. I thought, you know, we'll go several months with this two to 20 people that show up. And so 52 people show up. So we had to find a place the next day, the next week, uh, to have service. So we started having service in the lobby of the theater area at the high school. You know, the big, the big auditorium there. We just set up in the lobby. We weren't big enough to be inside where the seats were. <laughs> we set up in the foyer area there. So well, that's where Joe, Joe the guitar guy came there the first time. But anyway, so time went on. <clears throat> we moved from there. That grew a little bit. And by Easter... We, we were at, at the Waynesville Career Center. At Easter, we broke 200 people. I thought, wow, we have hung the moon. Because you don't understand. And w when you start a church, number one, it, it almost always, all the churches I knew of, oh, we, you know, just little, let's just go a little bit, a few at a time. Most of them fail. In fact, I was reading the history, the story, of one of the largest churches in the 60-mile radius here. And they talked about uh, you know, they told their story of how they get started. They started in the pastor's living room too. And then I remember in their story it said, after 10 years and a lot of hard work, God had exploded the church to 120. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm, you know, that's what I expected. You know, it's just going to take a while. So at Easter, we broke 200. We were like, oh, we're 200. And then we had Dad Fest, and we, haven't still, we still haven't officially launched. I kept saying, this isn't church. This is just us talking about church. And so then for Father's Day, we broke 300. Had over 300 people at Dad Fest. And so then in September of 2012, we, and we, had, we kept, and here's, here's the history of Stonebrook. We, uh, we, we kept getting kicked out of places. <laughs> it's not that funny. It was awful. It was awful. There were services where we dismissed like this. We will see you next week somewhere. It won't be here. We'll let you know. And I remember, this is so strange, the life of a church planter. I remember it being Thursday, and we still didn't know, and somebody asked me about it. And this is just how it went. It was hectic. I, you just didn't sleep. It was work, work, work all the time. And they said, where are you going to meet next week? I said, well, it's just Thursday. I don't, I'll find something. Don't rush me here. We, like we met at the theater once. We had to go out on Fort Leonard Wood. We met on Fort Leonard Wood for two Sundays, and they changed the rules where we, you couldn't meet on Fort Leonard Wood unless it went through the chaplains, and there was it's just like, man, everywhere we go, we got kicked out of certain places because we rode motorcycles around inside the building, and that was my fault. The, the actually, the rumor was that the pastor had ridden the motorcycle up the, to the second floor, up the stairs, and I started to correct it, and then I thought, you know, that's pretty cool right there. Let's just, <laughs> we'll just let that go. That's a lot cooler than I actually am. It's just... So, but we moved from place to place to place. And then I remember, and I'm sorry, this may take too long, and I'm probably talking longer than I need to because I do need to get some, some other things. But I, I, just want, I just want to reminisce a little bit because of where we're going. And... Um, we were meeting at Fort Leonard where they changed the rules and we'd meet, met at several places, got kicked out, or outgrew it. There's not a lot of area, not a lot of places in this town to have a larger gathering. And so here's another weird thing. Ron Carter came to me and said, this makes me, things make me cry today for some reason. Um, he said, God said to tell you, I don't know, God thinks he can't talk to me directly, I guess. <laughs> And this is Ron Carter. Ron Carter is like a Southern Baptist. God doesn't talk to Southern Baptists. You know that. But Ron Carter came and said, for some reason God wants me to tell you that the, you've asked him for something very specific. He's already answered it. And I didn't believe him because the thing I wanted is I had been to Area 151. And we went, first time I'd ever been in a bar. I took my underage daughter and me and we went to a bar there at Area 151, and we just hung out, and I went, you know, I talked to the guy, and we, I just talked to him for a while, the manager there, and then I told him, you know, I'd like to have church here on Sunday. Now, you talk about sentence enhancers. <laughs> he said, not only no, but fill in the blank, no, absolutely not. Told me the stories of all the things that churches had done to them, trying to shut them down, and picket them because of activities they'd had. There's no way in the world we're ever going to have a church service in here. But Ron Carter said, God said, answer my prayer. And I'd prayed for that. And so long story short, we started having service at Area 151. And you talk about making some churches mad, but that's another story. We don't care about that. And so that was one of the, it was just one of the funnest times to me because we were in there, you know, and 
we had the donuts and coffee back there on the bar, and there was vodka behind it. <laughs> and the people that we were reaching would prefer the, the vodka to the donuts. And so we, it was just a great time. It was, it was fun. And a lot of people came, and it sort of, I think, I think it, it was God's way of sort of breaking something here in the community that church has to be the special place, the special building, the special way you look, the special way you dress. And it's, it's actually just the people that gather together no matter where they are, and it was just a good time. We launched, officially launched, um, our first service at Area 151, August 30th, 2012, with 655 people. And it was just, it was just, we were floored by that amount of people. And so that goes on for a while. And then we, we rented this little yellow warehouse next to it, and then we, we decided that, um, be, that, we, we, we would move into the, goodness, are you okay? <laughs> the, we, was, we decided we'd move into that little warehouse and it was going to save us money and we thought, we started thinking about building a building and then, this person's <laughs> allergic to my preaching. Um, and so we, we were in there for a while, then it got sold and so different things happened. This is our 10th location here at the Ark. Last March, we started having service here. And, um, and so we decided we're going to build a building. Now that's a big, big, huge step. I just, don't, I just don't know how to really get across that it doesn't happen. Church is our size. Church is our age. churches with our financial footprint do not build churches. And we decided, and I think a lot of us have thought this was a stupid decision, that we would actually build it ourselves. We're not just going to hire somebody because it would cost way too much. It would just cost way too much. And we... And we decided, let's build a building that, uh, it, it, that it's not a church, it's a community center. Let's have it where people can come there during the week because normally church buildings just sit there all week and collect dust and interest. Let's use that for something else. And because we're trying to reach people that, uh, you know, they, they don't, one of the reasons people don't come to church is because you're always asking for money. Well, so let's, Let's have some, let's like do a daycare and a preschool. Let's do some other activities. Let's make it a community center where you can have event, events and weddings and let's put on concerts. Let's put on regular stuff. Let's don't just have like a Chris Tomlin come in and sing. Let's have Leonard Skinner come in and sing. Do you know Leonard Skinner has stopped touring? It's a terrible thing. My dreams are dashed. But, um, and ACDC, the guy, he's not, anyway, so there's, we'll have somebody. But have normal things, have a comedian, have dinner and dancing to where you don't have to go to the club, but you can just go to an event here. And so it'll be a place that the community can come, call their own, and just get used to hanging out there. Plus, it can be an income, so we're not you know, having to make everything about money in, that has to happen so many times in church. So, uh, so we, we started building that building, and we had no idea that a couple years later we'd still be working on it. But, but here's where we are. That's, that's where we are now in the middle of that, and we've gotten to the place where, you know, we're a church that, oh, you know, about 500 or so people, sometimes 550, sometimes less, in two services, and, um, but for about a year, and those of you that have been here a long time may be able to tell this, we've, as far as the church part goes, we've just sort of been in, 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 in a sort of treading water. We've just sort of been in pause mode. 
because this isn't our place and we're focused so much on building the building that it's, it's hard to do this the way we want it to, but it's still working out all right, but we gotta get this building done because we believe there's so, so much more that God wants us to do and so many thousands of more people that God wants us to reach. And um, so we've been in this place where we're, we're working on that building and this, we just, you know, this has been going fine, but there's so, so much more we want to do. And so we're coming to the, to the place where we're about to the end of the building process. Now, this, the building part, I mean, it, it has been a, it's been a really hard thing. I've never done anything so difficult in my life. It has, uh, it's been taxing. It's been uh, wearing on a lot of us, different ones. Um, in fact, I, I may just do this. If you have worked on the building in any way, shape, form, or fashion, you've been there just to push your broom or um, in, in any way, if you've ever been there to work on the building yourself with your own hands, would you mind to stand up? I would just like to tell you how much, I would like everybody to tell you how much we appreciate it. If you've ever been there at all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, uh, I'd actually like to do this. I, you, al you always hate to do specific people, but there are specific people that if it hadn't been for them, and you guys need to know, these guys have, these people have sacrificed their, their time, they've sacrificed their ability, family time, they've had to deal with my pickiness, they've, they've had to deal with my spastic nature where I don't always do things in a linear fashion. Um, but I, there's, there's certain people, like, um, I'm going to, Mark and Bindi, I'm going to have you stand up. This is Mark and Bindi, Alexander. You're going to stand up. Um, they have given so much. I just, I want you to acknowledge them. And you can sit down. There's, Bindi has been there, actually even more than Mark, but Mark has, at least lately. But uh, Mark has, just from the beginning, letting me, helping me get the thing designed, uh, running ideas off of him, being there and his knowledge, his ability, he just knows a whole lot more about construction than I do. And he has been there. If it wasn't for him, it, it just would not happen. And Bindi's been there and helped my wife so much with things. And even when none of the rest of us there, it seems like Bindi's there. I'm like, why is Bindi there all the time? No. <laughs> but it uh, has been such a big help. Um, like, there, you, you need to know about this person. Um, Greg, do you mind to stand up? Greg is the person that he runs the media stuff and he sets up these lights. That's Greg back there. Um, without Greg, whew, for sure none of this would happen. And all, all, when you get in the building and you see the lighting and then there's going to be cameras and all those different things, and he has helped in so many ways and uh, been another person that I've been able to bounce ideas off of. Um, and I'm sure I'll miss somebody. There's Doug Morris. Doug, will you mind to stand? Look at Doug over here. Doug, if you hadn't, it seems like, it seems, it seems like there were times where it was like, oh, this isn't going to happen. And it, it seems like it's God. He would bring somebody that would really encourage me. So all of a sudden, like, Doug was there almost every day for six weeks in a row and just got so many things done. And I was like, oh, maybe it can happen. I still don't think it can, but maybe because of, of everything that Doug did. Um, I have to have Doug. Do you mind, Gabrielle, to stand up with him? This is Doug and Gabrielle Merrill. And Doug has been... You guys can sit down. 
And that's, that's the thing with some of these, like the spouses and the families that have sacrificed and they've given up time and they've given up their husband or their wife being home. And um, what? Do what? Oh, I, I'll get to Rob. I'm still talking about Doug. <laughs> but Doug, I, he just told me this recently that um, he, since October, he's been at the building working more hours than he's been at his regular job, which is 40 hours a week. He works a regular job. He comes there night after night. I wouldn't have stayed there, but Doug wants to continue to stay and work. And there's just times where I was ready to just give up. Let's just walk away. Pull it, give, give me a U-Haul trailer. Let me hook it up. Load my stuff. I'll be gone by morning. Nobody will ever know. Where, where'd Mark go? I don't know. He's just gone. There's no trace. And he encouraged me. And same thing with Mark. There was, there's been times where I've uh, whined and complained to Mark, and he didn't have any answers, but he at least listened to me. Uh, and it was just a big help to be there. Uh, but these guys have done so much. And up there in the corner, you see Rob, that's Rob and Courtney. Rob is the children's pastor. He's another one of those guys. And, and I know I'm missing people, but he's another one of those guys that knows so many different things. And if he doesn't know, he just figures it out. Um, and he's just, he's there all day, every day, and just doing things when, when I'm, I'm not there. Like the last couple of weeks, I haven't been there. That's what I'm going to get to in a minute, the last couple of weeks. And then there's Hans. Here, Hans, wave your hand. Hans is standing back there. Hans has done so much. He has just whatever you needed him to do. When we were about to do a job where we all thought, well, we don't, any of us want to do that. Let's get Hans. <laughs> He'll do it. And so just different ones. And I'm sorry if I've, I've missed you. There's been different ones that have been there. But, um, but it is a huge, huge accomplishment. It is something that just does not happen. I've searched, I've looked elsewhere for a church this small, building a building this size, this early in their, uh, in their history. It's just, it just doesn't happen. And it's, it's been difficult. Oh, there's Bill. Hey, Bill, you wave your, oh, there's Jeff. <laughs> They're usually back there. Here, come a little closer. This is Bill Lippy, and that's Jeff. Jeff Steele's my brother-in-law. They, um, Another two guys, like Jeff, Jeff's the guy in the orange shirt. He's another one that he can just do anything. And his knowledge, and I can ask him things, and he'll do stuff that, oh, and like the HVAC, the HVAC on our bid on our building, just the heating and air conditioning, just the heating and air conditioning alone, the bid was $250,000, quarter of a million dollars. We'll have about 75-ish in it. And one reason is Jeff. Now, the bad thing about Jeff is he started out to do the HVAC. He left town, had a motorcycle wreck, and almost died. And then so we had to do a big part of it. I'm just sort of upset at Jeff about that. But no, um, he's back now. And, and there's another place where Doug helped. Doug became the HVAC guy. I hope the, I hope the air conditioning works in our new building, by the way. <laughs> Caleb, my son, has worked on it a whole lot, too. He became an HVAC guy, so, you know, blame them. And Bill Lippy has come and, and helped, and... Uh, just, he, was, he was another one of those guys, Bill Lippy, that came just at the right time. And I hate that the reason he came, one reason he got to spend more time there is he, he lost his job there for a while. But I think God will actually reward him for that. But he came just at the perfect time. It sort of gave us a boost. But anyway, some amazing, 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 amazing things have happened over this past um, three and a half, four years. And I guess I'll have to talk about the rest of this next week. 
But here's what I want you to know. In fact, I want to read a scripture. And, you know, give me five, ten more minutes. It'll be a little bit longer today. That scripture in Philippians, I want to read this because I took the last two weeks and um, I sort of stayed away from the building pretty much because I had to prepare a bunch of things for the bank because we needed to borrow just a little bit more money. I've been turned down by every bank in a 60-mile radius, by the way. It's a great experience. But uh, I think we're going to be going forward here. But, but I, I took some time away from the building. And just the past, about two months ago, I just really hit a wall with the building. And I was exhausted. Uh, mentally, spiritually, physically, every which way. And these last two weeks, I, I got to spend a little more time praying. And I believe God led me to these, this particular scripture. And something I didn't expect. But it's something that the more I think about it, the more excited I get about it. It's, Paul said this, once I thought these things, Paul had just been talking about the, all the wonderful things that he used to have in his life. I, I once thought these things were valuable. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. I'll skip some of that. The next one, verse, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now these verses especially. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but, but I focus on this one thing. Say these three words with me. Forgetting the past. Say it again. Forgetting the past. And looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What I want us to do this morning with Stonebrook is that's, that's one reason I've talked about all the amazing things that, uh, and, and I've studied church plants. For a town this size, it is just phenomenal what has happened in this short period of time. It can be nothing short of a God thing. It took lots of work. It took us partnering with God, but God has done amazing things. And this week also, I, I saw this article. Have you seen the deal where Google has these self-driving cars? Does that scare anybody? There are people that actually are in a car driving that's died at one on the road. <laughs> Maybe this will be better. But they are testing these prototypes, and they, they have these, they'll actually pay you 20 bucks an hour, I guess, to sit in the car, and if something goes wrong, you can grab the wheel. But they're testing these self-driving cars. These cars are a prototype. Say that word with me, prototype. <laughs> and it seemed when I was praying that this is the way God was leading me that what you've done up to now with Stonebrook, that was simply a prototype. That was a test. That was preparation. That was feeling out. Could it be done? How could we do this? And frankly, we have failed a lot. I know recently one of those Google cars crashed into another car or something. And I feel, I feel like that a lot of times with our church. Oh, we crashed again. <laughs> There's, and that, that's one way you learn. We've, we've, we've had failures. We really suck at certain things still. There's been a lot of great things that happen, but Stonebrook has been a prototype. So what I want us to do today, 
And you'll know one reason that is sort of pushing us that way in just a minute. Today, we're, well, actually next week. Next week, we will put away the prototype. We're going to forget not only the bad things. I could list some bad things. It'll, be, it'll make a great book someday of the things that we've done at Stonebrook that are just, oh, that was stupid. <laughs> that was, but we're going to forget even the good things. The thing that happens with so many churches, especially when they go and they finally get a building, is they feel like, whew, man, we finally made it. Uh-uh. What we're going to be doing next week is just like that same living room experience that I, we did five years ago where two to 20 people showed up. I want to ask a new question. If we didn't have a church, if we'd never started this church, let's don't have the mentality that, well, one week we're going to be at the Ark and the next week we'll be at the new service and then it'll be great. We'll finally be in the building. Woo, good deal. Glory to God. No, what if we had approximately 500 people that wanted to start something amazing? Oh, it makes me cry. What if we had 500 people that had been involved in this test where they learned that church isn't about them. It's about the 30 to 40,000 people in this county that don't even know him. What if they actually were brave and audacious and bold enough to say, we can actually reach those people? We don't care where they've been. We don't care how many they are. We don't care how much they've been hurt. We can create something that will be phenomenal, that will simply explode where people will see that there's a difference in this Jesus person, that it can truly be a Jesus church that reaches those thousands and thousands of people with a group of unselfish, self-sacrificial, giving and loving human beings who are just there to be normal and love and follow Jesus. What if there were 500 of us and we decided, let's start something new? That's what we're going to do. Now, to help us along that path, we discovered this week, because I had this idea that we would have some conversations over the next couple of months, because we really need to get that building done by the end of July. Because we need to have the daycare and things open for when school starts. We want to get it open and sort of get the kinks worked out because in September, we want to relaunch Stonebrook officially. Have like one big party too. Those of you that were here for the original launch was one big party. This will be one big party 2.0. One bigger party, we may even call it. One effing party. No, we won't do that. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. We won't do that. I'm sorry. So, but we need, we, there's still quite a ways to go, and we've been working really hard on this building. And I kept thinking, how are we going to get this done? Maybe we can work harder. And we're to the place, and, and, and we still, if you have some skills with certain things, we could use your help. But here, here's the thing. We have a contract with the Ark to have service here, and they've been so gracious to us. The place that we were going to have to rent, the only other option I had, it was going to cost us $4,500 a month for rent. We pay the ark a little over 600 bucks. Because Howard, the pastor of the river up here, came to me. This is, this is weird Sunday here. He said, you know, God gave me a dream. <laughs> Once again, I don't know why God can't talk to me. Because they told, they told me, no, you can't, because I asked, can we have a service here? Because this was the only place I knew of that was big enough, and there was another place where we, we would have had to remodel. It was going to be expensive. And they said, no, you can't, you can't do that. 
And he said, God gave me a dream. And basically God said, yeah, let him do that. And so he said, he said you know, we just want to give that to you for free. I, I, I talked him out of the free part. I said, no, you've got electric and things. So it's just about 600 bucks a month. It's been an amazing, amazing, amazing help and benefit and blessing to us. But this week, they have decided, and I almost think this is another God thing. They've decided that they are not going to renew our contract after the end of May to continue to have, yeah. That's what I said at first. I just went, ah! Yeah. <laughs> the boy's going to preach someday. So, what do we do? You know, and you start thinking, well, there's, there's no other where that we can meet. And there's, if we did meet, it would be, because we store a bunch of stuff here, and you can't find a place you can store stuff, and, oh, this is going to be really hard, and it's going to take attention away from the building. Our volunteers are already about to murder me because we're still setting up, and they've been doing this for four years. So what are we going to do? Well, here's what we're going to do. Next week, we're going to meet together at 1030. It's really, really important that you are here and that everybody that you can think of to get here is here. By the way, if this is your first time, our service isn't normally like this. But we, I want you to come back next week and see if you're going to be, I'm going to talk more about the opportunities and the exciting things that are going to happen. But after next Sunday, until we're ready, because here's what I was thinking. I was thinking that probably after the 4th of July that maybe we could have the building to a place where we could have mock services on Sunday morning because we don't want to just have a service and, you know, the sound system not work and the lights. And so we want to, like, have people come for about three weeks and not officially be serviced, but we want you to be here. We want you to check your kids in. We want to see how to get all the systems worked out before we actually officially open. But what we're going to do, up until such time, as the building is ready for that, we're not going to meet. Anywhere. You can meet in life groups. <laughs> I like, this is how the conversations with my kids in the living rooms go, by the way. <laughs> what about this? Yes, I mean, life groups, absolutely, you certainly meet. But what we're going to do is those of us that have some skills, we're going to be working on the building on Sunday morning because if we don't get that done, if we don't get it done soon, this whole thing that we've been talking about that God has done so great and all these wonderful things are happening, it's just going to go away. We can't continue. We don't have anywhere else that we can meet. And if we don't get the building done by a certain time, that's going to go away. For Stonebrook to exist long time, there's going to have to be this period where we were almost forced to. But I think it's an actually good thing. It's something that's going to help us be more focused during the week because the amount of energy that it takes some of our volunteers and even me to get prepared for Sunday, the focus that we have to put here, we're now going to put there. This is a marathon, it's not a sprint. If we're going to do this long term, and we're going to do this well, and we're going to be more than just a group of people, three, four, five, six hundred people that meet together, we're not interested in that. We want the thousands of people that don't know Jesus. And so we've got to get that building to the place where it's ready, to where we can explode and it be, and it be done well. You don't want to open something, wow, that's Stonebrook's new building oh, the sound system doesn't work, and all this. We don't want all that to happen. We want it to be amazing from the very first Sunday that people show up. So, next week, 
And that's the last time that we have a place that we can meet until we meet at that new building. Now, I've taken so much time, but next week, oh, I'll talk about this. There are things that we need you guys to do in these four to eight weeks that we're not meeting together here at the Ark. There are things that we need you to partner with us with. There's things that we need you to be involved with. Some of you, perhaps, that haven't been engaged in the past, we need you to make a decision that this is important to you, that this is something that means it's something that's bigger than us. It's something that it's going to take all of us to do. It can't just be, uh, for example, even with giving. Do you know we have, like I said, 500 to 550 people in attendance every Sunday morning? And that means, uh, let's see, I have some figures here. We have, and of course everybody doesn't come every Sunday, so we have a total somewhere in the eight, 900 to 1,000 range of people that consider Stonebrook their home. Because the national average is people go to church twice a month. Well, if you have 500 every week, then that means there's 1,000 people that are coming because they only come twice a month. And, but when we see the people that call Stonebrook their home, that's about what it is. The people that give, give consistently. And see, we haven't made a big deal about giving at Stonebrook because we want to reach people that think church is simply about your money. But at the same time, it takes a lot of money to do this and to do it well. What we're doing, we're doing, we're doing it on a shoestring budget. The amount of people that give consistently online, we have people that give online, 34 people. The amount of people that give consistently with checks and online, 42. Yeah. 42. Out of 550 people that attend every Sunday. Now, some of those are kids. You know, you need to get your kids out there and get them some jobs so they can give. <laughs> Just staying at home, sucking on that bottle. It's not going to care. No. And we're not going to ever be a place that's pushy about giving. We're just not going to do it. But we're at this point to where, and next week we'll talk some more about it, and some other things, that the opportunities are amazing. But the resources of people serving, people getting involved, people taking an ownership and a partnership in what we're doing, and people actually giving something. We've never asked people to give a lot. There are some people that have given just, but we, we don't have the big millionaires that go to this church. We have just normal people. If everybody would get involved doing something, it would help so much. But uh, I've, I've taken way too long this morning with it. I wanted, I wanted to celebrate what we've done in the past, but I want us, beginning next week, to just forget that Stonebrook ever existed, and let's start Stonebrook 2.0. Let's ask the question, if you had about 500-ish people, actually seven, 800, maybe 900 people, and you had a brand new building in a very prominent space in a city that was a military town. And that is one of the opportunities that we have. You don't realize that we're not just affecting people in Pulaski County. Time and time again, military people have come here and they constantly leave. They, they tell us this. In fact, we're at this point right now where so many people have moved out. I know Jeannie, my wife that does Kidzu, She's losing 14 of her workers from Kidzu. But people constantly have this, uh, this testimony. I think they're going to show a video story next week of one, of one of those people. 
that when we came here, we either didn't know Jesus or we had a total misconception of who Jesus was, and this place has revolutionized our life. We, you've ruined us. We can't do church any other way. We've, we're total, our marriage has been restored. Uh, we are in love with Jesus now. We understand who he is. You've completely changed our life, and those people are going all over the world, and we have a plan to, to partner with those people all over the world and sort of have little Stonebrooks everywhere including one in the Virgin Islands, which I want to meet, maybe spend a couple months getting it started. But, um, and we have a couple in Hawaii too, so I'll be, I'll be gone sometimes during the winter. But there's so many opportunities ahead of us, but we all have to decide that we want to partner and be involved with this. So, before we leave, I'll talk more about that next week. I wanted to do it this week. But do you have any questions that you'd like to ask right now before we leave? This next Sunday morning? Oh, like to work? Uh, we'll talk about that next week. If Mark French has anything to do with it, it'll be like 6.30 or something. It's true. <laughs> if I'm in charge, we'll be there like at 10 or so, but we'll still be there at 10 at night. <laughs> that's, that's how I like to work. But yeah, we'll... I, I think if we have if we have these Sundays where we can focus on that, and also the Saturdays where we're not thinking about being on Sunday, I, I believe we can get this done. Other questions? Okay. Yeah, it, what, what we talk about next week will be recorded and it'll be on the website. You'll be able to listen to it. And what I'll probably do from time to time is, and that's where we want you to get involved with Facebook, the Facebook group. And if we don't have your information as far as email and phone number, if you've never filled out a connect card, uh, fill that out. There's a bucket sitting back there as you go out because we'll be emailing and staying in touch on the Facebook group even if we're not meeting together. And... Um, you know, it, it just depends on, I, I need to talk to the city. It may be a place where, like by July, if we have some things done, we can all meet down at the service and start having those mock services. So we'll sort of be together. And Trish, you can preach the first service. You got a question? Yes, ma'am. Areas of expertise. And Doug, you and Mark may be helping me with this. If you have any carpentry skills as far as framing or trim work, um, electrical, finished electrical, like installing switches, receptacles, things like that. Um, well, we're, we're close to done with painting, but if you're a good painter, there, there are some things we still need to do. Now, I emphasize good painter. There are people that think they can paint. They can't paint. <laughs> but if you're a good painter, uh, there, there are still some things as far as painting we need done. Um, There'll be some deep cleaning that has to be done. Uh, sealing of the floor toward the end. We'll need some things like that. What am I missing, Mark? If, some, yeah, if you own an asphalt company that wants to donate the asphalt, I can get you an upgrade in heaven for that too. It's just something I do. Um, if somebody is really good at installing wood floor, I think our stage is going to have wood floor on it. So there's, Those are just some things. Other questions? What? Um, well, no, we're about, we're about done with that. With the air conditioning. We hope it works.
Hanging doors, you have to be a really good door hanger. But we have a bunch of doors to hang. Yeah. Oh, child, that, boy, you know, that may be an idea. Oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, if you need to leave at any time during this, you're welcome to leave. You don't have to stay. You can just get up. Uh, we may do that because some people that, they may, may need child care. I'll, I'll have to figure out, I'll talk to my wife to figure out where we could, uh, like we could bring this, we have a closed-in trailer. We just put all the kids in the trailer. Let us out. No, it's for Jesus. Stay in there. Uh, but yeah, maybe we could have, if somebody was willing to watch some of the kids for people on Sunday, maybe even Saturday. If, you know, if some of you have some skills and you can sacrifice some time, this, we're just at this point where we need to really make a push to get it done, and hopefully we maybe relax a little while after that. Any other questions? Okay, please be back here next week. Don't miss next week. These are some very, very exciting times, and uh, just, God just needs our participation. Thanks for being here. Um, if you need prayer for anything at all, Miss Calise and Miss Courtney are over here to the left. They'd be glad to pray with you. Have a great week. 10.30 next week. We'll see you then.